Hey folks, if you've been tuning in over the last couple of months, you've heard all about the GameTime app and how it can save you some serious cash on last minute tickets to sports, concerts, all types of shows. I think my favorite part of the GameTime app is, I mean, it's gotta be the great deals. I mean, there's great selection, it's easy to use, but I think saving money is probably the most important part. So GameTime is hooking you up for the holidays with a $10 credit. Here's what to do. Download the GameTime app in the Google Play or Apple Store. Click on the My Tickets section of the app, create an account, then under the billing screen, redeem code THEATHLETIC. Once again, that's THEATHLETIC, all one word for $10 off your first purchase. That's free money, people. Credit is only available to the first 1,000 people who redeem the code, and it expires at the end of the year on December 31st, 2019, so make moves quick and score last-minute tickets. We're going to enjoy this tonight, but on Friday, we're going to have another team meeting and we're going to get locked in on next year. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Protect the Rock, the Clemson podcast from The Athletic. I'm Nicole Auerbach. She's Grace Rayner. And we survived. Like, we personally survived um, one of the best games that we've seen in a long time. Just a total heavyweight fight between Clemson and Ohio State. Um, I mean, it was body blow after body blow. I still cannot believe like 15 of the different things that happened in that game. Grace, have you caught your breath? (laughs) Yes, I have flown home from Phoenix. I'm going to try to sleep a lot, but I'm also excited to watch this game back and see it a second time because you're right. That was just when you're in the moment, you're like, holy cow, I need to process this. And now that were a few days removed. It's like, okay, yeah, this was this was probably one of the best games I've ever covered for for Clemson. Yeah. Yeah, and and it's it's um I, we were talking about this before the show with with Mike, our producer. He's going to hop on here in a second, but he rewatched it already and just made a list of all the crazy things that happened that could have gone the other way. And I was saying, you know, it was one of those games where you're watching it and you're like, you know what? These the fact that they're stalling in the red zone like this feels like a problem, but they're dominating the game. And it was just like, there's a bunch of things that I think looking back, I want to see like specifically how, you know, Clemson stopped them, got those third down stops in the red zone and and things like that, that you felt like they could matter, but certainly did when you, you know, got to the end of the game. So um, really interesting matchup, obviously. And, And now we've got an incredible national championship game with LSU and Clemson. And we will do a full preview podcast for Protect the Rock um, later on, because we've got quite a bit of time. Um, I wrote about it on The <laughs> Athletic today. Um, 15 days in between the semifinal games and the national championship game. The longest it will be during the playoff era. Um, so we've got a lot of time to talk to talk about this one. Um, let's bring in Mike, our producer, Mike Zimmerman, to give us all of the what-ifs that could have changed the game and probably resulted in Ohio State victory. All right, guys. So I, I like Nicole said, I, I made a list of all these things that happened, and I kind of want to get your opinions on if one of these things didn't happen, would it have changed the game? Would Ohio State, you know, came out um, with the win? So I, I'm going to list them, and I kind of want to hear your thoughts on these things and and the what ifs. So the first one is Tanner Muse running down J.K. Dobbins to save a touchdown. Um, J.K. Dobbins dropping the wheel route in the end zone, which they overturned. Um, J.K. Dobbins dropping the screen pass, which looked to be like a walking touchdown. 
the roughing the punter, which extended uh, Clemson's drive, the targeting and ejection call, and then the overturning the catch and fumble. So out of those, I kind of want to get your opinions on, you know, what if one of those didn't happen and would that have changed the game? Ooh. To me, I thought the biggest one was the catch and fumble and the roughing the punter. Those were the two that stood out to me. And, I mean, now that you say that, Tanner Muse tackled. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. That's definitely a touchdown right there. Yeah, I don't know. I All three of those. I think See, those three are the biggest to stand out to me. To me, to me, I've got to go with the targeting call because it was just such a momentum changer. True, and yeah. It was so clear how rattled and upset Ohio State was in those moments that followed and the minutes that followed when Clemson was able to score to get back in the game. Um, I, I just feel like that was, and it was so divisive too, right? Um, until sure. the catch and fumble, which was, you know, even more divisive. Um, but so I, I think it was that just because of what happened in the immediate the minutes after. But it is crazy how many of these like specific people mistakes are J.K. Dobbins, who was like, the best player in the game and it was incredible for for most of the game except those moments that really really cost them and it's it's just an incredible like dichotomy to to be that important to the success and also that contributing to the failures in those key moments um I honestly I kind of think if any of those had changed it would have had ripple effects like the Tanner Moose thing like in the moment you're like oh yeah saves a touchdown right but that really really mattered right like that they could have been down 17 to zero right then yeah and and I just think that that the there was so much we're gonna get into this a little bit later in the pod about the red zone defense for Clemson um but you know the fact that you're able to go into halftime holding to three field goals in those situations like that is a big deal and if one was if you know like it just everything could have changed in in all of those different ways um the the catch and fumble though yeah, obviously was was huge. I think there were a couple different like, you know, if we're going to go into human error, we could talk about Ryan Day deciding to punt at the end of the game in at the 39 yard line. I mean, there were a lot of things like where the game could have turned on a dime. Yeah, Mike, what did you think was, uh, I guess, the number most one? Imp- yeah, your most important one. So I, I kind of have to go with the two Dobbins drops just because those are so routine and there were no like referee decisions that 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 were involved there because if Dobbins catches both of those they're both touchdowns and and I think there was a very good chance it could have been like 27 nothing 30 nothing in the first half if if he caught both those passes so I yeah I I have to go with those because if that's the case it it's very hard to see Clemson coming back from a deficit like that in the first half that's fair that's fair that's fair and, and I also think that if you have those scores, you know, then let's say the targeting thing happens. It's not as big a deal, possibly. Like, maybe it's not that momentum changer. So I think the whole thing was just a fascinating chess match from start to finish. Um, again, it was it was a heavyweight fight. I mean, this is the first time Clemson got punched in the mouth and had to respond and had to be physical and had to um, – I mean, we saw how much – grass stains like everyone had after this game. The like, Trevor was covered in them. I mean, he he ran the ball 16 times, 107 yards. Obviously, he had that majestic gallop to the end oh, zone. Oh, my gosh. What animal do you think he resembled? I mean, like, I kind of want to say gazelle because he's, like, tall and lanky, you know? Like, I kind of want to go with that. I thought the best part of that, let's talk about Trevor because, obviously, he had a 
an incredible game. But the That's run, cool. we've talked on this podcast about how much more he's using his legs, but like not like that, like not a 67-yard touchdown run. Right. But yeah. like in general, we've seen him scramble more. And um, I just, I was so impressed by his, the way he cut. On oh, that run. same. I was incredibly impressed, too, that he stayed in bounds. I mean, yeah, as he's I mean, ripping up he, the sideline. Like, speed, sure. Like, he's a super athletic dude. But I think the way that he cut and avoid, and you're right, stayed in bounds. Like, everything. It was just beyond impressive. Like, I was cackling at the end of the run. <laughs> of the run. Yeah. Yes. Tra- I thought that. I don't know. There was just. And, Nicole, you and I talked about this earlier in the week, that it was kind of difficult to put into words, but Trevor just had this I'm going to burn a hole in someone's soul kind of confidence to him during media day. And it wasn't um, it wasn't an arrogance, and so I don't want it to come off as that, but you could just – there are just certain times when you're just around Trevor and you can tell that yeah he's just ready to destroy people. And when he took off on that 67-yard run or however long it was, I was like, okay, Trevor is – he he ain't here to play. Like this is well, this is going to be his record, game. And for the record, you did tell me that after media day, like you you did know two days prior that something was different with Trevor Lawrence, and it's not surprising that he would kind of switch into a different gear for a game like this. Um, he still has not lost a game at Clemson, which is just he crazy. hasn't lost a game since November of twenty seventeen. Like what does does he not understand what like adversity is? What it's I like don't for the rest know what Trevor Lawrence we, as a as a loser, not in the literal we, sense, but we like fail looks at like. stuff all the time, and he hasn't failed since November 2017. That is insane. Can you imagine if every story that you've written since November 2017 <laughs> was just a total knockout? Like I <laughs> like man, I nailed it. Like every single <laughs> every time. time. <laughs> like imagine, but no. Um, Let's talk a little bit more about his performance um, because, you know, he, obviously we did talk about he was on the ground. He had a long touchdown run. His his passing numbers, he finished 18 and 33, 259 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Had a couple close calls there, but no interceptions. Um, he was, I, I think he was chased and pressured more than he's ever been. Um, I just thought he was remarkable. I thought that when they got the ball back for the final drive, I thought – of course. Like, this is who I would want to have the ball in their hands. Yes. Calm, cool, and collected. I had no doubt that Clemson was going to score on that drive. Like, I just thought by that point in the game, Trevor Lawrence had shown us enough. And, and who you know, was. everything else we've seen by him. But I, yeah. I just, total confidence. Yeah. I mean, I thought it was so, it was so interesting listening to Jeff Scott, Clemson's co-offensive coordinator, talk about how he was having Deshaun Watson flashbacks. You know, I mean... This was a guy who got in the huddle and was very similar to Deshaun when Clemson went down and won it in 2016 in Tampa. And um, I'm with you. It just feel it just felt like as soon as Trevor got the ball and Clemson started driving, it was inevitable. And then, yes. like, what does it say about the Clemson offense that the biggest question after that was, uh, did they just score too fast? Hey, guys, so yeah. I, I, I kind of have sort of going off of that a question for you guys. Yes, they put, you know, Clemson offense put up yards, but didn't it feel like they didn't have their best offensive game? Now, is that is that something going forward you could say, wow, you know, they beat Ohio State by not playing their best offensive game? Does that give them confidence going forward, knowing, hey, if we actually put together a complete game on offense, we, you know, we won't have any issues? Yeah. Yeah, I absolutely. think so. Well, I mean, think about how many players were banged up. When you have your two best receivers banged up, T. Higgins missed a good portion of the game. Plus, I want to ask Grace, let's talk about Travis Etienne. 
and his usage. Because I think this gets into like the offense not quite firing on all cylinders. When Travis Etienne only has 13 touches and only 10 carries for 36 yards. Now listen, he he had two passing touch, two receiving touchdowns, and he ran for touchdowns. So like he was impactful. But not the way that we're used to seeing him go. Actually, J.K. Dobbins was doing things. I tweeted this. He was doing things that we're used to seeing Travis Etienne do. Those break off those long runs and and things like that. Um, just be super dynamic. What does yeah. it mean that Travis was used the way that he was? Like that Trevor Lawrence carried the ball more times than Travis Etienne. That I mean, yeah. Can you can you believe that you just said that out loud? The Trevor Lawrence in a playoff was- <laughs> game. Was Clemson's leading rusher in a playoff game? I mean, so after the press conference, Dabo Sweeney said that he wrote two things down on his call sheet, and it was quarterback runs and basically Travis catching the ball, um, which ended up being exactly accurate. But yeah, I mean, Mike, to your question, I think that you, I think you do get some confidence from it. I mean, Ohio State went into the game saying we are going to stop the run. This is going to be our number one priority. Travis Etienne has, you know, fewer than 40 yards on the ground, which is unheard of. Um, And Clemson still figures out how to use him in a different way, and they still win this game. I don't know how that doesn't give you confidence. Again, we have seen a lot of different receivers step up in different moments. We've seen Trevor scramble. But, like, think about this. They won a game against Ohio State, one of the best defenses in the country, one of the best teams in the country, clearly. Like, the, the, the fact that there were three great teams this year was confirmed when we watched the semifinals, you had Travis Etienne, 36 rushing yards, Justin Ross, 47 receiving yards, T Higgins, 33 receiving yards, and they win the game. If you, if you tell anyone those numbers, there's going no into way they this, buy that. There's no way they win this game. And so it was, it was certainly, certainly remarkable. Um, and again, Trevor was the leading rusher. He had over half of the rushing yards in the game. Just, <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. It was incredible. Um, and then there were some other typical Clemson things, the missed field goal, um, you know, Ugh. just a, a lot of kind of obvious things. Isaiah Simmons getting an interception. There, there were a lot of like things that we were used to seeing as people who watch Clemson closely. Um, but, I, but I do think the ETN thing is going to be an interesting thing to watch moving forward as they get into the LSU prep. Because, I mean, I just think there were probably a lot of people screaming at their TVs like, Give the ball to Travis. Like, Feed what are you Travis. doing? Feed Travis. Yeah. So I would think that he would get more more touches, certainly, in the LSU game. Um, but again, what when you have T. Higgins was limited, you know, Justin Ross banged up. Like, the game was so physical and everyone was getting hurt. Trevor was down at one point um, on the targeting call. Like, it, it was just, it was so physical. Everyone's so beat up. It's good that they have 15 days to get healthy. But is there any concern about like T Higgins or or Justin Ross like being healthy heading into the championship game grace? That's something I think we'll have to ask Dabo, but I tend to say since we obviously saw them and T I mean I didn't look, I didn't think T was going to come back. I was pretty surprised to see him come back in the second half, but they would not have put him in the game if they didn't think he was okay and he I don't know, it was the explanation was a little weird. He had just said uh like body injury, which didn't make a ton of sense to me. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think, like, going into this game, we, we knew LSU was going to get the good end of this stick, right? Like, they just 
clobbered Oklahoma. They're all perfectly healthy. Whereas the winner of Clemson, Ohio State, which was by far the most physical game of Clemson's mm-hmm. entire season, was going to be ice bathing it up until yeah. January 13th. So Clemson's probably extremely happy to have two weeks to get these guys patched up. Hey, Grace, uh, remember people are saying, is it going to matter if you're the number one seed this year? Uh, I think, it, I, I think <laughs> uh, yeah. so. Yeah, I think the answer yeah. was uh, it did. Yeah, yes, it did. 100% it did. LSU basically had a walkthrough. Did you see Brody Miller's tweet about how staffers like privately thought that L- Oklahoma was not, what was it, like a top they 15 said, team? Yes. Mm-hmm. That's well, bananas. I mean, I, I was reading somewhere like Burrow had told teammates he thought that they could put up 70 like, it was, like, they're not wrong. They're not wrong. And it was, again, just so different, so different than the other semifinal. Um, but I, I really think that Clemson gained a ton of respect for winning a game like that, for being so physical, for responding, for fighting back, for the final drive. Um, I just I think that this was a team that nationally was kind of a running joke, right? The ACC is bad. Clemson's undefeated. You know, Dabo and his were disrespected. You know, and and they didn't believe. Maybe they believed that this could be a great team, but they didn't believe they were a great team already. They didn't believe that they, you know, they, they could win these types of games because they haven't been in any like them. They weren't battle tested. They've, you know, are they going to be able to get to this year? And they did, and and they were tough. I just think the toughness of yeah. winning a game like that goes a long way to gaining respect from a lot of people who were like, oh, you're just a product of your schedule. Right. Yeah, this was, bar none, the grittiest game I've ever seen Trevor Lawrence play. And I yes. know you, I mean, like Alabama 44-16, I get it. But he kind of coasted through that game. I mean, this game was, okay, you're – you're down 16 points. Your entire team is banged up. You just got leveled. What are you going to do? Yeah. And I mean, it, it was just, I just thought it was, it was remarkable. And I thought, um, you know, we talked about this earlier with the final drive, like just every, every time that they really needed to answer, let's, let's throw out like the first quarter because they were kind of, that's when they were getting punched in the mouth and trying to like figure, I mean, it was both sides of the ball. Like, you know, Trevor's getting chased around, getting knocked down. Um, Dobbins was doing whatever he wanted. And it was, you know, they're kind of feeling that out. But after that, um, you know, they were equals. They were equals in this game. And um, I, I just thought it was it was impressive. It was what we hoped they could do when they would need to. Um, but, you know, I, I just think it goes a long way to getting respect. I think the red zone defense, you know, because you're talking about Brent Venables and, and how easy it was to Ohio State to score on him early. And, you know, even the announcers were talking about how Ryan Day was winning the chess match against Brent Venables. And then to get those stops in the red zone when they absolutely needed it. We talked about Tanner Muse's tackle that saved a touchdown. I mean, I feel like that also, it's like, yes, hey, by the way, Brent Venables, still there, still good, still going to potentially save the game for Clemson. I thought, yeah, I thought the red zone defense, I mean, obviously, if you're outside of Trevor Lawrence, I think the story of this game is Clemson's red zone defense. I mean, mm-hmm. that was just, and and the Tanner Muse tackle, obviously, we saw that. They had to settle for a field goal there, which was a huge shift in momentum for Clemson. But, yeah, I mean, you give Brent Venables a halftime to kind of figure things out. And it was interesting, Isaiah Simmons was talking about how 
you know, of course, Brent was changing the scheme and they kind of went to their odd front a little bit more. And, you know, he's figuring out the X's and O's of it. But Clemson also had a conversation at halftime about like, all right, we got to get our mindset right. Like we Isaiah, Isaiah was very candid and was basically like people were doing their jobs. They were not doing their jobs effectively. Mm. Um, and I thought that that was and, you know, a, a defensive end not squeezing where the right way he needs to or where he needs to be. I mean, Xavier Thomas created that huge hole right there for J.K. Dobbins to take off. You know, just little things that, um, I don't know. I, I just thought it was interesting. Isaiah was like, yeah, halftime was, was not pretty. But Brent, man, I mean, this is why Clemson pays him $2 million. This is why Dabo cannot afford to lose him off of his staff because he is just in-game management is just, yep. he's just one of the best there is. It, it was really interesting, too, because as Ohio State is stalling and getting stopped, right, and they're settling for those field goals, you're thinking, okay, this could this could bite them. This could come back and bite them. Like, in a game like this, settling for field goals seems like a bad thing, right? And it did, but it was, it was hard to tell in the moment because at those times, you know, especially towards those last couple of minutes of the first half and the targeting call and kind of the sure. momentum swing. Like, everything was going the Buckeyes' way, so it was hard to know how much they would impact the game. And then you look back, I mean, one of the things, obviously Ryan Day was furious after the game about losing. It was his first loss at Ohio State as the head coach. Um, this is also someone not used to losing, ever. And, you know, obviously you can be frustrated at officiating, there's a lot of Ohio State fans in my mentions still arguing about officiating. Um, by RIP way, to uh, you. Out, outcome of the game, not going to change, guys. Like, just so you know. It's um, over. It's over. But Ryan Day was also really mad about the red zone. And that was one of the things he brought up in his on-field interview. And he talked about, because that is something they can control. That is not officiating. That is not. And to not maximize those possessions and the field position where you were they were so like just really really tough and and I think that when they look back I I think if you're an Ohio State fan you're going to stew on this for the whole offseason you're going to be mad about the officiating I think you're going to be mad about you know the the, maybe the play calling the approach to the red zone the drops by Dobbins Um, you're going to be annoyed that Ryan Day didn't go for too late when he obviously should have then he goes then he basically kind of flips his whole approach to calling games the entire year, which was aggressive, aggressive, aggressive. First time he's in a really tight game down the stretch, decides to play for field position. And it was weird. It was weird. But I'm just saying, like, there are things that Ohio State controlled that they're going to be frustrated about. Right, right. I mean, okay, listen to this stat. I was looking this up on the plane because I was just curious how Clemson's red zone defense might match up with LSU's red zone offense, which is a wild stat. But Clemson's – so Clemson ranks 17th in the country for opponent red zone conversions. 75% of the time, opponents are scoring in the red zone. But listen to this. Of the 75% of the time that opponents are scoring on Clemson in the red zone, almost 40% of that is field goals. Like, that is – they're the, I'm like going through the top 20 right now. Every other team, almost almost every other team in the top 20, the touchdown rate is higher than the field goal rate. Clemson's field goal rate is higher than its touchdown rate. I mean, that was, yeah, you, you like you said, you think when, when Ohio State goes up 16 to zero, these field goals don't matter. Uh, then you look at the entire product and holy cow, they absolutely matter. Yeah, I've actually switched um, earlier in this season and a little bit started last year. I, I don't, when people talk about like red zone conversions and, you know, red zone stats, I actually only really use touchdown right now because Fair. to me, 
that is the most impactful stat. So Clemson's the- touchdown rate is 35. Uh, no, sorry. 40. Hold on. I'm, I can't read numbers. 35.7. 35.7. That's Clemson's. Right. So or they're deep. They're Clemson's defense. Clemson's defense. Okay. Right. Their offense is 75%. 75% yeah. of the time they're scoring touchdowns. Yeah. Um, but you're right. LSU, 78.6% of the time they're scoring touchdowns. So that's crazy. Yes. Um, you know, and LSU's defense has looked a lot better. It's going to be, it's going to be fascinating to see how this all plays out. Um, before we go though, I wanted to get you rehashing Brent Venable's thoughts, early thoughts about Joe Burrow and LSU. Oh my God. Because like, I imagine you just, you come out of this like dog fight, you're exhausted, you're drained. You had to put so much into getting these stops and into winning this game. And then immediately it's like, congratulations, your reward is Joe Burrow. Right. Okay. So, I mean, you know, Brent Venables, to me this year, the 2019 has been an excellent year to be covering Brent Venables because he has been just, I have found him to be very funny. He's just like, he's just speaking his mind this year. And like after Nolan Turner got the interception, um, our coworker Andy Stables asked Venables how he would have felt if Nolan had tried to run it back or make a play. And Venables was like, I would have loved it if he had just freaking punted it in the stands and gotten us a penalty. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> but uh, so, yeah, so he's asked about LSU. Um, and here's his exact quote. Oh, now you get to go play LSU. Oh, great. We're going right into the lion's den, but whatever, man. <laughs> so yeah he was like basically exactly what you said he was like oh yeah I mean and then someone had asked you know have you watched LSU he's like yeah I mean you just turn on the tv like what do you mean have I watched LSU so I'm sure what I want to know is when he started watching film like I would not be surprised if he started watching it as soon as he got back to the hotel after the fiesta bowl yeah no I agree I think um I think I, I sort of wonder, and I wonder if these guys would ever say if they like start prepping at all, you know, before like assuming that they win, if they start looking ahead, ahead. at all. Like once the game plan is set for Ohio State, if you then poke around on LSU, like I, I don't know if if that would ever happen. I don't know if anyone would ever admit to it, um, but it would be it would be something. It would be interesting. Yeah. I mean, I do think that support staffs are always a week ahead, so. Like when Dabo and, and Brent and Jeff and Tony show up, they're going to have film cut for them, ready to go. So I know those guys are always a week ahead. But yeah, I've I've wondered that too with yeah. especially a guy like Venables who probably hedged that they were going to be playing Ohio State and probably was like, all right, let's let's get this show on the road. Yeah, I just think like, oh, I'm, I'm a little curious. Let me watch some LSU film, you know, like something like that. He does watch. I I know that he does watch other films sometimes while he's looking at his own film because he plays that game with himself that we were laughing about earlier right, on, right. on the podcast. What would I do here? <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, which is amazing. Um, okay, well, before we go, we're going to have more podcasts before the game. So we will get more into the LSU matchup and Joe Burrow and all of his terrifying statistics um, later. But Grace, we have to give out roses. It is a Monday. The Bachelor is actually almost back. The offseason can begin. Thank Peter's goodness. season of The Bachelor is about to come back. But let's give out Wait, roses. Wait, does it start the same day as the championship? No, it actually starts this coming Monday. 
Oh, yeah. I, seriously, so I'm, we I have a bone to pick with ABC it. when they do that. No, 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 no. We get to watch the premiere before the championship. Usually they're at the same time. But we oh, at least get man. to meet all the candidates before we have the championship game. Anyway, let's, this give is out what roses. I need. let's give out roses for the semifinal. Lots of options. Who you got? Um, I I mean, it's obvious. I'm sorry, but whatever. Trevor Lawrence. I mean, you just, we, we all saw him. Actually, you know what? I'll go Trevor Lawrence's legs. Because Ooh. is that is that creepy? Like no, you can do that. Okay, that's what I'm going. Trevor Lawrence's legs get my rose. Okay, well I'll go a little bit more discreet. I think that we've convinced ourselves fully in this conversation that Tanner Muse's tackle was incredibly potentially game changing. I like it. Potentially saved the game. So I will go for Tanner Muse. He's gotten a like rose that. before. Um, his stats again. You look on the box score, not super impressive, but watch a game. One game changing play. So congratulations, and as always, Hunter Renfro, who has had many as moments, always has had many moments like that in these games, usually against Alabama. Little Did you see the tweet moment. about him that he and Odell have the same number of touchdown catches this year in the pick the side by side pictures? <laughs> I did not, but I love oh, it. I will. I'm gonna text it to you. It's amazing. I love it. I love it. I hope Hunter is at the national championship game. Hopefully, he can make it. Um, so we can maybe come on our pod, rows, and he can come on the pod. Uh, we'll get them on at some point. We'll get them on at some point, maybe in the off season. Um, all right. Well, that will do it for this week's issue or this Monday edition of Protect the Rock. I am Nicole Auerbach. She is Grace Rayner. We will be back with some coverage from New Orleans later in the week. Um, and we will also be doing some crossover with the Audible. So be sure to follow um, Stu and Bruce's pod as well. We will talk to you soon. Have a great week, everyone. <laughs>